What's going on, guys? Take the World Podcast. I'm Hanato Melendez, and I have Ty Zizueto with me today. How's it going, everyone? And we're going to be talking about men and mental health. Um, I think that it's a shame, first of all, that we need to talk about this in 2019, where there's still social sig- stigma around men expressing their feelings, expressing the issues that they're dealing with, things like that. Absolutely. And I, I think the biggest thing, too, is that, like, what the shape of it currently is. You know, when guys usually talk about stuff, it's, I feel like there's a stigma that, like, hey, bro, don't talk about the, you know, we're trying to have fun or whatever, you're ruining the vibe. And then, you know, it's like, how do females look at this when guys start, like, kind of venting their emotions about things? Like, I, I don't necessarily think the state of orders with all that is very even. To be yeah. Honest with you. And, I mean, I, I think about it, <clears throat> the way that you said it, like, how do females look at it? Um, when... You think of like relationships, oftentimes you're like, oh man, I've seen a girl cry. I've seen, you know, for whatever reason, but then like, how many people can say like, I've never seen my husband cry. I've never seen my father cry. I've never, you know what I'm saying? That like stern figure of a man kind of. Yeah, exactly. Quivers. And it's, I, I guess like in a sense, it's meant to be that way as far as like, not not saying that it's supposed to be that way. I'm just saying like it's almost um, like that's the standard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think that probably comes from generations of men growing up with men who were like that in their lives. You know, yeah. The, the elderly men in their lives were like that. I know my dad. I think back to him. And it's like all of my pictures that I have of my grandfather on his side, it's just like that dude never smiled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, stone I, cold. I, I mean, I I think that, like, especially growing up, I think that that's one of the most important things that needs to be instilled in boys growing up into men is that we need to learn how to express ourselves. And, like, when I was growing up, I grew up with an older mother. Like, anytime me and my brother would cry, she'd be like, don't do that. You're not a little girl. You're not a girl. Why are you crying? And so, like, getting older, it didn't get better. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was more like, all right, I'm having this issue. I'm, I'm sad. I'm upset. I'm whatever. But I can't express that to her because she's already told me, like, little girls feel that way. Right. So you get you, what I'm saying? What do you do next? Do you just sit there in silence and suffer with your feelings? Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because, like, I want to I get into a quote that I heard um, it says men lead lives of silent desperation and this isn't saying that women don't suffer. This isn't saying that women don't have the same, if not worse issues to deal with, um, especially in history. Sure. But what I think that means is like, we don't get that open arms of you know, hey man, I'm feeling really down. Dude, don't be a fucking pussy. Like, right. just you, just brush it off, bro. But then like, if a girl was like, oh my God, I'm having a bad day. And she like posted that on Facebook, there'd be fucking the world 30. Up yeah, the yeah, bubble, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is, man. And so like, and again, like I'm not saying that it's wrong. Like if, if somebody's having a bad time, if somebody's struggling, if whatever it is, like, there should always be support 
But I think there's a huge imbalance between the support for women and the support for men, specifically when it comes to mental health. Sure. And I think that when you're looking at the genders, it's always safest to consider that they are going to have their differences. Whether it's things we understand or it's things we don't understand, leaning into the things that we do understand, we do understand that women deal with things differently than men. Yeah. However, I don't think that, say for instance, like the portrayal of men and women in the media and you know how in touch they are with their emotional side, I don't think that's very um, conducive to a positive male behavioral health environment, ultimately. Because you always see in shows and sitcoms, you name it, movies, I feel like the women are always hanging out in the bathroom, talking about drama, hugging it out, crying it out, whatever. They're always, like, connecting with each other. Yeah, supporting really, each other. Exactly, on some deep stuff. And whether or not they're actually, like, they care or not about that person, usually there's, like, a little plot twist, like, well, I don't care about you, bitch, I just want to hear the drama. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of that sort of thing being thrown into the mix and messing it all up, men really necessarily don't have that. And you don't have that portrayal of men in the media, especially. So, like, you take any movie where a group of guys are hanging out, What's going to happen? It's going to be the hangover, pretty much. Yeah, know? exactly. Like some bullshit like that. Yeah. I think... <clears throat> and I think you hit on that topic of, like... Um, you see it all the time, like an ongoing joke of, like... If a girl ran crying into the bathroom at a club, like... All the girls in that bathroom would be like, Girl, you're a fucking queen. <laughs> and you're... Don't worry about that dude. Da-da-da-da-da. But, like, yeah. do the flip side and, like, imagine, like... A dude gets his heart broken and he goes to run into the bathroom crying. Like, what's you gonna get enough beat up or yeah, like, the other like, dude? <laughs> like, who who knows what would happen on the the opposite side? Like, I don't think I've ever just randomly started talking to a dude in the bathroom. Or if I ever did see a guy that was like crying in public, mm -hmm. I I would be less inclined to talk to him because like. Now he's defensive. Now, now, like, I'm seeing something happening and, like, that to him is weak. It's, it's kind of like a social norm to think crying is weak. You know what I'm saying? Especially in men. Absolutely. And so, like, if I go up and I'm like, yo, man, is everything all right? Da-da-da-da-da. Like, he might just be like, yo, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like now, now because I've seen him cry, now he's got to be a tough guy. And I'm like, yo, man, like, I, I just genuinely care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess that comes down to the social strata or structure of like men. And men are kind of hierarchical in that way. We, we walk into a room and we'll assess immediately most of the other men, I think, on a given, any given day and kind of see like, and I think this is a really subconscious thing, because I know sometimes I, I catch myself just scoping out a room when I'm out at a restaurant or something. Yeah, me too. And I'll have that thought, like, can I fight that dude? <laughs> yeah. That's a completely, like, ridiculous thought to go to. But ultimately, that's kind of, I think, the hierarchical thinking that men are suffering, or not suffering, but that their mind lends to more often than women, is this sort of, am I better than that guy, or can I be? Yeah, I, and I was... So I was talking about this the other day and it was about how I grew up mm -hmm. and like growing up, I would see all these like, again, this isn't everybody. This is specific cases where like 
girls would hate each other for four years. Like all throughout high school, these two girls just did not get along. They'd be in classes together. They would talk shit about each other. They would sleep with each other's boyfriends or whatever the fuck it was. And then I would always be like, bro, dudes just fight it out and then they're cool. Yeah. And it made me think like how many times I fought people or I've seen fights happen or whatever it is at a party, at school, at a club, at a bar, whatever it is, like with guys. And it's like, man, that now it's almost like that's the first thing to do for males. Like if there's a confrontation that you feel like can't be resolved with talking, right. instead of walking away, like as a male, it's like that primal instinct to like, now I have to physically beat this guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think that comes down to a concept I've heard from Jack Donovan in some of the books that he's written, where he talks about violence being the last answer. It might not always be the first, but it's certainly the last and most definitive answer. Yeah. So in that situation where you're talking about that, it's like, ultimately, you can try the diplomatic route. And I think, you know, any well-developed man is going to want to have several diplomatic ways that he could approach a situation. I think that's kind of a key thing of being a diplomat is you don't kind of just run at it with the same sort of mindset or mentality, essentially. you got to be able to change and be um, malleable to the context of the situation. Yeah. Not a lot of guys nowadays, I think, are well-versed enough in life to have those diplomatic reasonings to apply before a fight. Yeah. And so I think that's why... what typically should be considered the last and is definitively the last answer to anything is now kind of coming up to the forefront of the situation in any given situation and that would be violence yeah well and and I want to and I want to look at something and almost be very specific about how I word this because it's 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 painting a bigger picture so you take somebody that's grown up and they've suppressed these emotions and when you suppress emotions, when you avoid emotions, um, there's a circle of avoidance, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you feel anxiety, then you avoid the anxiety for short term, but then in long term, you're making it worse because you're always running from it, right? So it goes in a circle. So now it's causing your anxiety to be worse, whatever it is. So now take someone that's grown up saying like, oh, if you feel this kind of way, you're acting like a little girl. Or if you're feeling this kind of way, that's not how a man is supposed to act. So take the most common places where you see fights happen, bars and clubs between males. What's involved? Alcohol. What happens when fucking alcohol is involved? Belligerence. Yeah, well, not only belligerence, but you can't lie to yourself when you're drunk. Because once you start getting those like thoughts of like, damn, I'm lesser than, or, yo, I haven't told anybody, but I'm fucking depressed, or I feel like less of a man because I'm sad, or I don't enjoy this, right? Whatever it is. Sure. Well, now you're, you're having that fucking, like the fume, like you can smell the other males in the room. And it's like, now I got to be a tough guy. And somebody like me, one, I don't go to clubs because I don't want to be around a whole bunch of drunk dudes for these exact reasons. But the other thing is like, there's only so much that I'm willing as a person to talk through. And so like, if somebody's being aggressive towards me and let's say like I'm with 
my significant other, like, there's very minimal chance that I'm going to, like, try to talk you out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I might give you a, hey, man, if I bumped you or something like that, like, I'm, hey, man, I apologize. If I spilled your drink, hey, man, let me buy you another drink. But the minute I feel like you're not going to even listen to what I'm talking about or you're not going to give me the chance to make amends for whatever I did, even if it's fucking scuffing your shoe, then I'm not going to give you that three seconds to swing at me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And again, that's why I avoid these situations. But it's also like, like you said, like it's being a diplomat. So like in order for me to avoid situations like that, I just don't put myself in those situations. Sure. But growing up, I saw a lot of those things happen. And that's where the like correlation comes from. Like, I know I don't need to go to clubs because almost every time I've been to a club, there's been fights. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so what I, what, what I, what I really am trying to say is like, it's almost like you see a drunk guy or you see like somebody acting belligerent or whatever, and you don't really like, nobody really digs into the issue. Usually the hammered drunk guy winds up getting knocked out and you know, nobody gives a fuck after that. I think that we need to address the mental health issues in men. We need to open up the conversation so that it is normal. So that if you're having a bad day, that you have a group of guys or a group of men that have been through things that you could be going through that you could talk to that would lead you in the right direction, not drugs, not alcohol, not suffering in silence. So two things you mentioned that kind of helped me, I think, really conceptualize what you're talking about here was mostly two things you mentioned in terms of imagery. So the imagery of someone telling you that's not how a man behaves. Yeah. And the imagery of getting drunk and kind of facing the shortcomings that you might have, right? Yeah. Because that's something like, I think most people who've gotten drunk, whether it be while they're drunk or while they're hungover, mm. kind of have at least some point in their life, like, a time of that, damn, got some real shit going on here and I'm not to deal with it. No, yeah. The booze really, like... Loosen you up. Yeah, loosens it up, makes it come out, whatever. So I think sometimes... It, that kind of turns people onto a, a darker side they might have. But <clears throat> the thing that it made me think about is that we don't necessarily, we as men in 2019, I don't think there's as many people telling other guys stuff like that. And I know for me, I haven't had a role model in my life that said that's not how men behave in maybe a decade or longer. Yeah. And that never stopped me from wanting to find out how real men do behave. Not real men, but people who are good men and good at being a man. Yeah. And I think those are two distinguishedly, distinguishingly different things. Yeah, I agree. I think that... I, I also think we, we live in a time where, at least in my situation, role models are far and in between like there's there's not many there and so when you're you know I grew up with a single mother and I've said it before on here like you a woman can't raise a man to be a man you know she could do her best to raise me the best way possible but she couldn't teach me how to be a man 
And I think because of that, it was she was doing what she thought was the right thing to do and the right thing to say mm -hmm. was like instead of embracing it and like making me girly, quote unquote, that I'm going to be tougher on him. I'm going to I'm going to block these things out because I want him to be tough and I don't want him to be weak and I want him to be a man because this is what a man should be. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like your mom understood that sort of distinction that I was trying to call out that yeah. she wanted to make you a good man even though she knew she lacked the ways or the methods to make you good at being a man. Yeah, exactly. Like, Exactly. She couldn't, you know, teach you how to plow the field. She couldn't teach yeah, you yeah. how to tie knots and, you know, throw up a sail on a sailboat or yeah. fly an airplane, catch a baseball. Maybe maybe she did these things, but these are traditionally things that fathers would teach their sons. Yeah, exactly. If the, you know, <laughs> financial situation's right. But what your mother did there, she, she compensated. She made sure that you were going to come out with, like, a good head on your shoulders, even though you couldn't do... She couldn't teach you. Not that you couldn't do. She couldn't teach you or pass on these other characteristics that would make you good at being a man. Yeah. I completely agree. And so with that, like, I also want to talk about... Um, because we're talking about family, we're talking about growing up, we're talking about things like that. That... It's proven, like, genetically that personality traits are um, hereditary and that hormone levels and chemical levels in your body, they're all, they can all be hereditary. So, like, for example, me, like, I have very low to no serotonin creation in my brain. And serotonin is like the happy drug. The, it's released in your brain for excitement, for arousal, for whatever it is. Like it's, it's a core necessary thing to be a happy person. And I went four to five years without knowing that I had very, level, very low serotonin levels. But through these three to five years, I didn't understand why I wasn't happy. And then even further than that, like I can look back at my life in whole, even as a kid and remember like, I don't genuinely remember a time where like I was happy. Like I can remember occasions, like a day at a time where I was like, damn, this was a great day. Sure. We went to the amusement park. It was my birthday. It was whatever happened. But I don't remember like going six months to a year without feeling what I know now is depression, but back then I was 10 years old. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, so to me it always seemed fascinating when I learned how depression can transfer from like a mother who's carrying her child to the child upon their birth. Uh -huh. And essentially the hormones, say cortisol hormones, the stress hormone, yeah. The more stressed a mother is while she's in pregnancy with the child, those hormones continue to go down into the fetus, into development, until it becomes a person. And then that, essentially that person is receiving all of these hormones that the mother's system, her endocrine system, is flooded with. Yeah. And so, essentially, in the same way that, like, if the mother thinks that she's feeding her kid, you know, cake by eating cake, well, she's also 
feeding her child depression by being depressed. Yeah. Now, granted, that's not a mother's fault necessarily. There's a lot of societal issues that can go into that. But I also think it's interesting to note that between you and me, our age range, and I guess you could say the generation I-Gen or Generation Z, went through a lot of... Our parents and us went through a lot of changes that society had never seen before. Yeah, And for that sure. plays untold... Uh, you know, effects on the development of humans and the biochemistry in our brains. So I think that's something to consider, too, is that there's probably this aspect of it that just is inconceivable as of yet of social factors. I mean, I could imagine that part of my depression, because I felt the same way growing up, that I didn't... I never necessarily felt like I had a great year as a kid or anything. It was like a few great days here and there scattered about the same like you said. I'm sure that like the early testings of the FDA with cell phone towers and shit probably played havoc on fucking children's development. Yeah. And you know, who knows where like the location of those towers were in relation to schools and so forth. I know nowadays it probably doesn't even fucking matter. Yeah. So I think that on top of the biological component that gets passed down from parents, which is a real thing, that there's also this kind of just what's going on in the world, like the yeah. background radiation just constantly flooding us and depleting us of serotonin. Is that what I think is happening? Yeah, and I, I don't think that it's just your parents. I mean, there's, there's, proven, there's proven literature now that's saying that if your great-great-great-great-grandfather got killed by a spider... You might be born and three years old and you have an irrational fear of spiders. Oh, yeah. And this is like, I mean, this is a hot topic um, in recent literature that I've been looking at. And just about like these, uh, any kind of like tragedy that happened to your ancestors, any kind of anything that, that was there through them can be passed on through you whether you think it's spiritual chemical whatever it is it's a it's a real thing it's been proven now so an example you gave there you said that if like say your grandpa died from a spider or something yeah you might like have ish like psychosomatic responses or something to spiders yes so how does that work is there anything that you know about how, like, how that transfers over like because the genes of your grandpa have already become from, you know, the birth of your mother or yeah, yeah. you. How does that transfer over from your grandfather to you? So in what you know so far. Yeah, so from what I understand about that is that th- that exact question is the reason why this literature is even being written. <laughs> that question of the how and why. Mm-hmm. Because they know the what. Like you can see kids, right? And and like you have a three-year-old that's, that's never been around a dog before and will run up to it and hug it and love it. But then take another one, take another three-year-old, sees a dog and is terrified. Well, where does, well we don't know where that comes from. So that, that's where the literature is coming from. That's, where, that's why scientists even care about like figuring this out because they want to know, is it a chemical thing? Is it, a, is it a gene thing? Are you now, has something happened to your ancestors that scarred them deep enough into their DNA that it was passed to you? You know what I'm saying? That brings to mind, have you ever heard of the 100th mon- monkey experiment? No. So somewhere I want to say in like, 
the Southeast Asia islands, there was an experiment done where I think it was the macabre monkeys were eating coconuts that had fallen in sand and the monkeys were very visibly disappointed with the fact that they were eating coconuts that were covered in sand, as I would probably be too. Yeah, yeah. And so these scientists, they went in and they decided that they were going to... And mind you, there's a whole chain of islands that have these monkeys. So they go to one island and it has, you know, whatever X amount of population. And they decide they're going to teach one monkey on this island how to wash the coconut off in the shores of the ocean. Okay. And so they, they show this monkey and they make sure that he really gets it. And then they release him back into the, the society of monkeys that he's on in this island. And over a period of a couple months, they realize that 100% of the monkeys had essentially been taught this. Okay. And then further research concluded that somehow, without any apparent means of transmission, monkeys on the other islands started to spread this knowledge too. Mm. Until it seemed apparent that the entire species of monkeys in the region were now washing their coconuts with water. So this implies somewhere along the biological chain that this monkey they first taught that once there was like sort of a critical mass amount of monkeys that learned how to do this, mm. this cleaning of the coconut, that it just, it was like innate knowledge that spread throughout the species. Yeah. And some people would say like it might be Carl Jung's collective subconsciousness maybe. Or, you know, the new age people might say that's just in general collective consciousness, which is, again, spurred from Carl Jung's research if you don't know. But I think that kind of, you know, we could do a whole different episode on that. Yeah, yeah. That to me sounds kind of like the same thing here, is that we've, we've managed to catch that, like, there's, there's some sort of non-physical means of communication that can happen with individuals and a species. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that with that, <clears throat> I, I, I think that's important because we need to understand that this stigma that is around mental health for everyone is that it's a problem. And I was listening to a podcast the other day, you listened to the same one, the Joe Rogan one, mm -hmm. and where they were talking about how like prescriptions for mental health is so um, easy access almost, you know, or people get prescribed for having a bad day. And then Dr. Phil said something like, oh, but if you're going through a divorce or you just lost your job or you, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you're supposed to be upset. Right. You're supposed to be mad. You're supposed to be sad. Those are things that you're supposed to feel. And I feel like, especially with men, I, I much more recognize an angry guy than I do a sad one. Like, it's weird, right? Because yeah. we watch boxing, we watch UFC, we watch sports, we watch, we've watched people fight. We've seen these things firsthand, and it's like, well then, well that's how they're supposed to be. Right. If two guys get drunk and fight each other, somebody might be freaking out and calling the cops, and I'm looking at them like, bro, this is a normal Tuesday night. Like, this just happens. It's the saying, boys will be boys. Exactly. You yeah. know? Our parents... They, they imbued that, I think, on us. I know my parents always said that sort of shit. Boys will be boys. And to an extent, I remember when they would say it, I hated it. It was like, yeah. I don't want to go in this playpen with these animals and have to fight my way out. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mad Max style. Yeah, and I mean, that's, 
I think that's the the weird thing is that like even growing up, like I grew around, I grew up quote unquote tough and like I hung out with the wrong crowd. Excuse me. <coughs> and you know that that was almost like a given. Mm. Like you fight. Like me and my brother, man, like I could remember back when we were 6 or 7, we would fight each other. Like full-blown fist fights. <laughs> and love him to death. He's my other half, but like man, we would fuck each other up. And my mom would get pissed and she'd be like, "Stop fucking fighting in the house." Da 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 da. da. But like she never got to the core of like why we were fighting. And I mean, now obviously now I couldn't think of a reason why we fought, like right. maybe over a fucking video game or something. But like that was just in our heads that if we have a problem, this is how we'll handle it. Well, I think in this, I'm no neuroscientist. So, so let me step in and explain some neuroscience for you. Yeah. Um, the prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that developed. That's the lobe that kind of hangs up towards your forehead. That was developed most recently in terms of the brain. And that's where essentially the thinking man comes from. Yeah. It's where art or culture comes from, all the good stuff that we have nowadays in our civilization. I think that when people say boys will be boys, they're essentially kind of acknowledging that the more basic parts of our brain, the parts of us that are more true to us than really anything else, are the parts of us where we're fighting, where yeah. we're getting pummeled, and then we're trying to, you know, we're training up to get better so we can go back and beat whoever pummeled us. Yeah. And I think that is kind of part of the problem here. I mean... Men are in a really weird place in 2019, that's obvious. We started this con this podcast with that pretext. Yes. Way. But I think that for men to really be able to kind of express themselves and to be understood by civilization and society at large, that there's going to have to be kind of an understanding as to what it means to be a man. Yeah. Like we're going to have to really define that at some point. Otherwise, it's going to remain this ultimately arbitrary thing. Now, yeah. I personally, I've read books about what it means to be a man that I've more or less settled on my definition of the word. Yeah, for What sure. it means to be a man, what a good man is, what a bad man is. These things I have my own personal understandings of, and it's always growing. But when you look for that at society at large, there's really no cut and dry definition. I mean, you have like the art of manliness.com, yeah. Which is great. That's doing good things for young men. And even at my age, 29, I've still looked up, like, how to straight razor shape. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that. But ultimately, I'm not saying we need a textbook on how to be a man, but I certainly think that this needs to become more of a uh, discussed thing so that guys have an idea of what they should do. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> I mean, so I grew up with an older mother. She was born in the 40s, you know, grew up in that time period where, like, her father went to work and she had six other siblings and her father provided and that was a capable thing. And I'm sure if I were able to ask her about it, her father was probably stern and he was, you know, whatever. And the, the you know, the head of the household and sure. he, that was like the thing. And then you look at like old television shows, like where the father's the worker, the woman stays home type thing. I love thing. Lucy. Yeah. I love Lucy. That's a perfect example. But 
And I'm not saying that's right because now we live in a society where that's not even close to the norm. No. But what I think they had back then that we don't have now is it was almost like what you said and you hit the nail on the head is like a textbook answer of what a man should do. So if you asked a guy in the 40s and 50s all the way up to I would say the 80s. Yeah, probably. Like, what does a man do? Mm-hmm. He would... The, the response all across the board would be he goes to work and he provides for his family. Yeah. And that's, and that's it. And then when you ask the wife or whatever, what is the man's role? Then she would say something like, oh, he goes to work. He provides. He's the head of the household. Da, da, da. He's possibly the disciplinary for the children. Things like that. But my problem with today is now we have so much more exposure to everybody else's life that there's this, you know, the Gillette commercial. (laughs) There's like the toxic masculinity. There's whatever it is. So with that being said, like if there is toxic masculinity, which there there definitely is. Yeah. I want to go on the flip side and say, why focus on the negative? If you're going to, if you're going to go all the way out of your way to make a commercial about how men are wrong or how whatever it is. And I mean, you hear it all the time on social media and things like that about like men not being men. But then like, let's do a poll for a thousand people. How should a man be? How should a man carry himself? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It makes me think that Gillette commercial, for instance, you brought it up. Like, what would that have? What would that commercial have been if they had focused on, say, not calling guys out, but offering guys things that are great, and showing those and being like, "You can do this too." Yeah. What would they have shown? You know, like would they have shown like dudes jumping out of a Chinook or something? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, and that's and that's the thing, man. Like, what, I, I think when it came wearing out, wearing a we, dress. Like, yeah, we. T- <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, we talked about it, and I was like, "Could you imagine?" Just imagine the outrage if it was a flip script and it was a commercial about everything wrong of women's personality traits. Man, that company would be shut down so fucking fast that it would be like it never existed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That would be some shit like Alex Jones. Where yeah. Blacklisted from exactly. everything. You know, you wouldn't even be able to share that with like yeah. that commercial. And and so like but it's okay to target men because there's those one in 100 or one in 1,000 that do make men look bad. And the toxic masculinity is there and they are using their, oh, I'm a man as like a, I'm better than you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like, so if you're big business and you're, and you're you know, whatever, and your goal is to like expose, quote unquote, these faults in men. Well, what are you doing to make the situation better? And you definitely have the funds to make the situation better. Like giving kids role models, mm-hmm. like you said, give us something to look up to. Give me, give me a textbook definition of how I should act, how I should carry myself. Like in the 50s when you wore a fucking tie and hat to go out. Yeah. Like a you societal know what I'm saying? norm. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is like, I'll admit, growing up in high school, I passed all societal norms. You know, I was the dude who was more into like art and punk rock. So, you know, I mean, here I'm arguing societal norms for men, but that's the thing is, these don't need to be entertainment role models. These don't need to be role models who are military. This could be, <laughs> like, this could be a lottery thing. Mm -hmm. That, like, the states, you know, find their most awesome citizen, you know, like, they do an interview with him. And I wouldn't doubt that in Colorado, there's probably some dude out there driving a Ford F-150 right now. You know, listening to Kenny Chesney wearing his fucking Carhartt jacket, driving down the dirt roads, going to feed some horses, and he's just the most wholesome dude that you could possibly meet in the state. I yeah. mean, granted, I'm making him up, but, like, th that's the He's on the I road would, right now. Right. Yeah. He's, he's, he's chipping some grizzly. Right <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. But, <laughs> so, like, that's the thing, though, is I'm, I'm kind of tired of these, like, these cultural role models because they have no effect on me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name drop something right now. And this is totally, you know, a little off subject. Maybe not totally, but like Brie Larson. She yeah. came out and she said, I want to be a role model for women of color. Yeah. <laughs> you could argue women at large, but from what I've gathered, women of color is what she's going for. Yeah, yeah. Now, we don't have any guys that have come out and said anything like that. Granted, they might crash and burn as well as she has so far with her thing, but like... There's still no male alternative to that, like, right now. Who do we have, like... Yeah. I mean, I, can, I can't even think of, like, well, one and, positive role model. And the weird know. thing is, and I think this is going to be controversial... Tim Kennedy's the only role model in my life. Yeah, fuck by yeah. The way. But, um... This is controversial that I'm going to say this. And, again, it's not everyone, it's specific cases. I think that as males, and especially... From what I've seen in my personal experience, so I'm only talking about personal experiences, minority males, so Hispanic or African American, mm -hmm. we oftentimes do not have father figures in our life. So we grow up angrier. We grow up more inclined to get in trouble, more inclined to, to get arrested before the age of 18. There's statistics that prove that males that grow up in female-dominant households, like, there's, there's just so much. There's so many statistics that show that having a father or not having a father is a huge effect. Sure. Right? Well, the thing is, we grow up, and let's say I'm 18, and I, I never grew up with a father, and I'm hardened, and I'm angry, and I think that I'm fine. Because I don't recognize those mental cues that are dinging in my head that there's something wrong. Right. Because I was never told to embrace those. That I get someone pregnant. And they're going to have a kid now. And I'm like, well, he'll be fine. I don't need to be there. I don't need to. Or let's go dig deep into the heart and say, I don't know how to raise a kid. I don't. I don't love myself. How am I going to love this person? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's something that we don't talk about either. Like there's, there's science to prove that women have motherly emotions that is attached to them through birth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
And that, like, I, I have a lot of respect for all single mothers. Um, I think that it's something that, like, women adapt to easier than men. Definitely. They can embrace the love. They spend the nine months with them, things like that. And this is not all of them. There are some bad mothers out there. Yeah, but definitely. what I'm saying is, is, like, to me, I don't think it's a natural thing for men to, to like embrace that and, and to embrace those feelings of like this little, you know, ball of human being mm. is mine. And now I, I love it more than I love anything else in life. How do I express that? And then still be that stern figure that my wife knows and loves, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that like, like you said before, and I think now that we've got this out there, I think this needs to be something that should be across the board is like, where's the help? <laughs> where's the, where's the guys that are great fathers helping the young fathers? Yeah. Where's the, you know what I'm saying? Like Absolutely. you have, like if a girl gets pregnant and puts it on Facebook right now, there's going to be 20 mothers on her posts like, oh my God, congrats. If you ever need anything, da, 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 blah, blah, blah. Where's the guys that are like, dude, you're about to have a kid? Bro, let me tell you about changing diapers, bro. Right. Let me tell you about making formula. Yeah, do let you know how to fish? Yeah, you do you teach your kid like to fish? Anything, you know what I'm saying? Like, Straight up, yeah. And, and those are those things that, like, like you said, like it's just society, man. Like it's society as a whole that one, like, be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. You should be whoever you want to be, except if you want to be a tough man. Yeah. Like straight up, that's it. Like that's the one thing you cannot be. If you want to be a confident, you want to be a strong go-getter type guy that doesn't take shit from anyone, you're a fucking animal. But if you're a woman that's tough and will punch a dude in the face, and will fucking run that empire and fucking whatever. You are a queen. And like, so, so, so give us a fucking lesson, man. Like, don't be negative. Teach the positive. When I think about like the greatest generation. Yeah. I, I wish that we had real Captain Americas that we made from that. We did that with the, the war in the Middle East. We had Chris Kyle. We had Marcus Luttrell and the dudes from... Uh, was it Red Wing Six? Yeah, or, Mike Murphy. Yeah, all of them. These guys, great, great role models from the military community. Yeah. But at large, like, if the greatest generation lived, survived, and won a war, and then just died out quietly without leaving us, like, any recommendations, what are we supposed to do? You yeah. Know, we're supposed to reinvent the fucking wheel? Yeah. My grandpa figured out the wheel. He figured out when he was hanging out with Nikola Tesla smoking weed, free energy. Yeah, But then yeah. they decided that they didn't want to pump that shit out for the rest of us. And so by the time my dad came around, we were all back to, you know, digging with sticks and shit. Yeah, and yeah. figure out everything from the start, basically. And the thing that gets me is when you look at the dynamics of human history, men traditionally were hunters women were the gatherers and this sort of tribal community sort of set up where like men would always be out killing shit that's why dudes can't come home and like pick up the baby and connect and know how to do all this stuff because one 
They're outside all day getting their hands bloody, cutting the skin off stuff, drying it, making leather so they can stay warm. Yep. Doing all this stuff that's ultimately dangerous, could get them killed at any moment, could harm them. You Disattached. Mean, yeah. Yep. And so then they come back to the, the little huts, and the wife's been sitting at home all day, you know, fanning the fire and making sure that, like, it's warm when the husband comes home or whatever, decorating the cave and shit. And I'm not saying that this is what women should be doing. I'm not saying this is what men should be doing still either. But basically, we are the ones that kind of were always out, you know, at the gates making sure that shit was safe. Yeah. And now that we don't have to do that, I think men fundamentally, men fundamentally, both, do not know how to adapt fully to this civilization where no one needs to be a hunter anymore. Yeah. Well, and... Again, man, like, this is why I needed to do this podcast with you is because that right there, like, you just made me think of something that I was talking to Brooke about the other day was that I feel this weird fucking, like, family man type thing and, like, the dream that I had the other night was, like, I have this fucking instilled, like, anger in my mind that ever since I was a kid, it, it was like my, my, flight, my fight or flight mode, my survival mode, my like, you have to go out and get it. And when my mom passed away, it, it, it multiplied by 10. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And when life gets comfortable and I don't have to worry about things, I'm in this weird mental state where I don't know how to enjoy myself. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? I laugh because check it out. This is the way I see it. So the fight or flight thing comes from your parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. When you were talking earlier about grandpa getting killed by a fucking honeybee or whatever. Yeah. And that scarring, you know, the rest of his offspring to come. Yep. How do you think that shit fucking translates when 10,000 years ago, saber tooth tigers were fucking eating dudes heads off in front yep. of them? You know, the videos that, like, we forward to each other on Instagram, like, you know, we get those nature videos every now and then. Yeah, yeah. you crazy, and it's just a lion chomping down on a zebra baby or something. Yeah. Like, that's the sort of shit that our ancestors were going through. Your 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 great-great-great-great-grandgram was sitting there watching as your great-grandpa or whatever, your uncle, <laughs> they were getting dirty, you know. Uh, dude's getting his head fucking chewed off by a saber-toothed tiger, and it's picking its fucking teeth with his rib cage. Yeah. How does... So how does that impact your lineage going forward, your genetic memories? Yeah. I think when you look at like men and why men have issues kind of getting used to the household, it's probably one of the factors is that ancestral uh, memory is that we've been, you know, murderers throughout history and we've been the ones getting eaten by animals until yeah. that never happened anymore. Yeah, and you know what? And because we're talking about this and because... This is a topic that I hold very near and dear to my heart, and I'm very open about mental health issues. I'm very open about a lot of issues, and I, and I always embrace the conversation. I catch myself like looking at my son while he's doing something. Like, let's say he stubs his toe and he starts crying, or he's crying because he can't get a cookie. And I'm like, bro, chill, man. Like, like relax. But then like Brooke comes in and she'll like pick him up and, oh, what's wrong? And all this. And I'm like, yo, don't do that. You're going to make him soft. But then at the same time, like I'm thinking to myself and I'm like, no, man, like 
when, when he's 15, 16 years old, I want him to walk in the house and say, Dad, I'm fucking sad. Dad, I'm not having a good day. You know what I'm saying? And, and to have that conversation open, it starts when he's five years old. Right. It starts from me saying, like, cry it out, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to be angry. It's not bad. Like, the number one thing that I learned in therapy is that if you're angry at yourself because of your own emotions, you're making it worse. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I think a healthy detachment from your emotions overall is something that's really conducive to a better lifestyle yeah and by that i mean not like (laughs) serial killer coldness but like yeah yeah yeah. i mean realizing that your emotions are not you directly exactly and that's the thing man it's like i'm still working on that you know i haven't perfected it i have my days where i feel like it really clicks in better than other days but ultimately that's like the lesson i think that i forget the most that it would be most beneficial if i could remember is that when, I, when I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, this fucking sucks. I hate being here. You know, why am I even here? should probably leave. Those emotions are just temporary. You know, give it 10, 15 minutes, go smoke a cigarette, take a shit, come back, drink some water, take a knee. I might be able to handle the situation better than earlier, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the thing I think is that, like... If you can kind of like recenter yourself and realize where your true strength comes from, then that oftentimes you can find yourself getting past emotional boundaries. But yeah. a healthy acceptance of your emotions is also important too. And that's where it's a weird give and take. Yeah, well, it, and that's the thing is like, like you said, you, you, have to, you have to be aware that your emotions do not define, define you, but you also have to be comprehensive in the fact that they're happening. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I think that the biggest thing for anyone that's listening is to be able to be self-reflective is probably the biggest thing that I've learned in my entire transformation in life is that to be able to look back at yourself and say, damn, I did that wrong. Or, damn, I could have done this differently. Right. Or even better, to, to be able to self-reflect and say, you know what? In this specific situation, you did so fucking good, I'm proud of myself. Hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then even the opposite in a way, though. Like, don't be so hard on yourself in situations where you don't need to be. Yeah, exactly. If I have the whole weekend off, no plans, no homework, bills are caught up for the most part. You know, I'm yeah, not yeah. stressed about shit. If I need to fucking lay in bed for eight hours during a Saturday and just stare at the wall and listen to music or whatever, maybe I deserve that. Yeah. Maybe, you know, just maybe I've been fucking working for two weeks straight, you know, doubled overtime or whatever it is. You know, you, I think to have what some would call moments of weakness, I like to think of it as maybe moments of solitude. Yeah. Where in that solitude, you can... Do whatever you wish with your time. Yep. You don't have to tell anyone else about it. So there's no implications of you being weak. You're just simply spending time with yourself. And I think in those times where you can, if you can, you should always make time to spend time with yourself like that and self-reflect. I think that's when you'll come out on top realizing 
things you didn't realize about the situation when it first happened. It's like that saying, like, don't be hot-headed and make decisions, you know, rationally. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you can sit and contemplate things that are going on in your life and really contextualize them. Because in 2019, I think the reality of the matter is is that nobody on the fucking planet knows what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe yeah. Elon Musk and the Rothschilds. But, like, for the most part, like, we're all kind of just floating in the wind, you know? And trying to do the best we can. So I think it's best to remember that, like, we talked about earlier, there is not a textbook sort of answer to what a man should be like. Yeah. And so... I would hope that we could all go out there and really just kind of strive for our best. Figure yeah, out, I agree. Figure out what our best is. Because best is different for everyone. You know, I'm pursuing a degree in physics to work on space colonization, but, like, the dude over here who's been in the laboratory for 12 years trying to find a cure for cancer, you know, I mean, it's like tomato, tomato. Like, yeah, I mean, apples you and can't, oranges. Yeah, apples and oranges. You can't really compare the quality of one's life like that. You can't compare the meaningness and the meaning, the quality of meaning in one's life. These things aren't necessarily comparable, and so I think that's, in my history, I know the things that have gotten me down the most. Yeah. Looking at other people's successes. Yep. Judging those based off my own successes and failures. And that shit, nobody needs that. I don't know why the hell I did that. I still do it a little bit every now and then, but for the most part, I've eliminated that from my, like, thought processes. And I think that would be the best thing if any of you are suffering from something like that, where you you judge yourself based on others. Don't do that shit. Maybe look at them, critique the other person, figure out what you like about what they're doing, and then see if you can emulate that to your own degree to better your own life. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you know, there's the statistics show that the highest rate of suicide is in middle-aged men. Mm-hmm. And from those statistics, they pulled that... It was either after a divorce or after losing a job, feeling like a failure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And like you said, like being able to compare yourself to other people, um, I think, especially with like the rise of social media. Yeah. Is that there's now like you're you're essentially like looking through your neighbor's window. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're not only looking, you you're looking over the fence into their bathroom. While yeah, you're getting yeah. Ready in the morning, exactly. You know, and I think with that, and and people say it all the time, and like I think there's like certain people that you really should be following on social media, and then there's people that you shouldn't. Um, and that goes for anything that's not positive for you. Mm-hmm. So if there's somebody that you're following and you're envious of, and that's that's ruining your fucking day, then maybe you just need to hit that unfollow button, or maybe you just need to stop scrolling. You know. But with that being said, you don't see people's failures. And the thing about that is, is before in, in past times, before the rise of technology, you never knew your neighbors, you know, oh, your neighbor got that job. Well, he might tell you or you just didn't talk to him. So you never knew that. But now, like I'm posting on social media me, for example, I post my fucking failures, I post my emotional issues, I post anything because I'm trying to have people embrace that. Sure. But the normal person is going to post the new car, the new house, the new job. They're not going to post the 10 jobs they fucking got told no from. Right. They're not going to record the conversation where the guy that was going to hire them says, yo, you're not fucking qualified. 
Like, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to see that. So if that's what you're looking at for, like, like you said, comparison, then you're cutting yourself short. And I've done that. Like, I've definitely done that. And like my, my biggest fear getting out of the military was like, I, I can't provide for my family. How am I going to provide? How am I going to be a, a man, the man? You know what I'm saying? Sure. And it's like, it, it took Brooke telling me like, yo, things are going to be fine. You need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then again, like it goes to that like, damn, how are people going to look at me? Yeah. How are you, how are you gonna look at me? How is my wife and my kid? There's that hierarchical gonna... thinking I told you about. Yeah, that's. Because I mean, yeah, and it's, I'm I'm agreeing with yeah. you. I think it's I think it's full circle. Not only yeah, and I think the crazy thing about how you're implying it too now is that not only do you look at other people with that, but you look at yourself with that. Yeah. Where do I fit into these other dudes around me? Yeah, you do. I mean, think about it. Like, imagine like, and I mean, this is gonna be like one of those like, this is just a funny thing that I've thought of, and like, imagine being like. You work for the NBA. You're not an NBA player. You're a fucking towel boy, yeah. right? And, like, you're around fucking LeBron James and Kobe Bryant every day. But, like, you're the fucking towel guy. Like, do you feel inadequate? Like, you might make a lot of fucking money. Like, I don't know, man. That might just be the fucking... That might have been your fucking dream job, and you probably make 100000 a year yeah. or whatever the fuck you're making for wiping up sweat. And... Like, I, you get to travel, you get to be around celebrities, whatever it is, like, yeah, that's cool. But what I'm saying is, like, that's exactly what social media is. Yeah. And as males, I think that we have, like, again, this doesn't go anything against women. I think this is just a man. I'm a man, and I'm speaking for how I feel men are. Is, is that we compare ourselves to other people's success. We don't compare ourselves in an emotional standpoint. We don't compare ourselves in like, um, like, oh, that dude has a really happy marriage. Like, you're not fucking, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not looking at, like, you, you might look at fucking A-Rod and be like, damn, bro, he's married to J-Lo. I'd hit that. But like, it's not like, yo, that dude looks so happy in his marriage. His, his marriage satisfies his life, and I really wish I had that. Yeah, thing. yeah. How like, often do you hear dudes say exactly. that? Exactly, you know? and and you don't. But then when you say like, holy fuck, A Rod makes seventeen million a year or fucking more, you're like, damn, bro, I make I make forty k at this job. See, that's the thing, and that highlights, and maybe this is where you're going. That highlights that we admire. People in the entertainment industry at large, for ultimately what it appears they have. Yes. The aesthetic of having yep. a complete and satisfying life. <coughs> not necessarily the Excuse actualization me. of, like, a complete and full life. You yeah, know? but you don't see that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's... What I'm trying to say, and, like, I hate to go in a circle, but I feel like this is such an important thing, is that, like... There needs to be more, this is how you handle yourself. This is the help you need. Yeah. This is the, I mean, think about it, man. Like, and, and this isn't my fucking, this is my problem right here, right now. Is like a school shooting happens and one side says it's the guns and one side says it's the mental health and neither side make a solution. Yeah. Neither side fucking come together and say, Maybe it's the guns and the mental health. Maybe it's fuck maybe it's the fucking toxic mixture of both. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And 
so it's like, oh man, well, one side's like, no, we just need to focus on the mental health and we should have helped this guy and it's tragic. And it's like, no, man, you should have fucking helped him when he was eight, when he was having clear and evident signs that there was something wrong. Because, man, I could go back to like when I was dealing with the things that I was dealing with with my mother growing up mm -hmm. and I could go back and look at myself at like 12, 13, 14 years old getting suspended from school every other week, fucking fighting, cursing out teachers, doing all this stupid shit. And not one teacher, not one, was ever like, is anything, is everything good at home? Is everything all right? Are you okay? They didn't give me a counselor. They didn't give me fuck. You know what I was? I was a problem child. I was angry. I was fucking, they, they were more, they were closer to expelling me than they ever were to actually trying to offer me some sort of guidance. And then who the fuck knows how that would have turned out? What if I just said like, you know what? My mom kicked me out of the house. I slept in a fucking park last night and I had to go to school because I don't want to be a fucking failure. This is where I think society has failed us. Yeah. Because we have a society that's developed essentially to a very young adult phase, it seems like. You yes. Know? And... This society has continued to grow and expand, but we have not. Humans as a species, I don't think necessarily have adapted with society. I think society gone jumped the curb above humans a couple hundred years ago, and ever since then, we've essentially been trapped kind of in this matrix, if you would, trying to figure out what the fuck it all means, Basil. Like, yeah, yeah. And so when I say that, it's like, what I'm getting to is that... Why can shit like this happen to a human? And it's so scarring. We know that. The yeah. psychologists, the sociologists know that the human brain can absolutely be fucked up beyond, like, recognition. Yeah. I remember it was something like feral children. If Me and my roommate have talked about this a lot. Like, if they're not taught to speak before the age of seven, they rarely ever develop beyond that age, regardless of better circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Them. And so that, that right there shows you, like, you can fuck a human being up beyond, like, a reasonable doubt, you yeah. know? And if that's possible, then why doesn't society have, like, buffering for its fucking only occupants, human beings, to have, like, a more stable environment to grow up in? Yeah. Because sometimes this shit, it, this is going to be a ridiculous statement. Doc Holliday himself would crawl out of his tombstone if you heard this. But to me, I feel like society nowadays is no fucking different than the way it was in the Wild West. Yeah. People are going around getting fucked up in so many different ways by other people, by society, by everything imaginable. And yet our society ultimately just expects that they get back on track, start fucking paying taxes, get a nine to Pull five. Pull yourself up from yeah. the bootstraps. And that's not always possible for some people. Well, and the thing is like, and it, it, man... It goes to that point of like, man, I didn't get fucking taught how to be a dad. I didn't get, I didn't get told like, hey man, these are the do's, these are the don'ts, these are the fucking whatever. I mean, I know the obvious fucking things not to do. Sure, but what if but, you didn't? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, is like, so now I raise my son, and I'm telling him about shit that I think is right but could be wrong, and I'm passing that on, and I'm passing that on, and there's no fucking intervention. There's no, there's no like in between that's saying like, like you said, 
there's there's that age gap. And my mother-in-law is a um is a substitute teacher. She does that for her passion. And she talks about some of the kids that she deals with and that some of the kids are like eighth grade or, or sixth grade and they read at a first grade level. You don't think that's fucking wrong? Like, I know it's not her fault. I know it's not because she's trying to help. Right, but where's but, the system where's, that she can go to yeah, make it yeah. better? Where's the intervention? Don't you think that at like some point, somebody has to say, like, how old do you have to be where you can't read? Where it's fucking child abuse in 2018, See, in 2019. That's what I you know mean what I'm by saying? society developed beyond human beings. Yeah. Because how is that possible for it, that to happen in this society? Exactly. We're looking at a world where soon it's possible that every fucking person who has access to it can have the internet. Mm-hmm. Like, I've heard that they're trying to make that a real big thing in Africa and that several countries down there are already getting, like, free power. Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard internet. the same thing. Like, just to help them get up to information, the yeah. yeah. And so, if that's at the point that we're at, where we've pretty much explored, and you can argue it all fucking day, I don't want to argue that right now, though, that, like, we've explored all corners of the world, that we've got it's to flat. the point where... <laughs> right, right, and Antarctica is completely unexplored because there's an ancient city under it. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> uh, the way I see it is that our society doesn't necessarily show that it cares about us coming out as well-developed human beings. And yeah. what that tells me is that you can't rely on it to be a state function. Yeah, I agree. This has to be something that you and the people in your life take into your own hands. And like we were talking earlier about how one, a textbook fucking representation of what a man is and could be and should be and whatever. And then we are also talking about how in entertainment, how there's a lack of real positive role models for men. The only positive role model I've ever found on TV was Ron Swanson, and that one's even shaky. Yeah, but like Peter Griffin. Right. Yeah, <laughs> relatable. But that's the thing, then. If we don't find adequate means through our governing body of politic, then that means that we have to search inside ourselves. We have to become advocates for this sort of thing and talk about it so that we can make sure that there's an interest garnered in the public that people want to talk about things like this more. The lack of involvement is creating, I think, an entire population of people. The lack of involvement with the government and the United States with its people's behavioral health, to be more specific, is creating an entire population of people that are going to be inept and incapable pretty soon. Yeah. And that's worrisome. Well, and that's the thing, and that's, that's, like I said, what I was talking about that podcast the other day, was that, like... The number of people with mental health issues has not gone up. There's, there's not a, it's not like, holy fuck, now it's social media, now I have depression. Right. No, but as everything else becomes better, I feel as though still in the background is, social, is, is uh, mental health. Yeah. And that yeah. we haven't, one, we haven't figured out a way to intervene when it comes to children in a way that doesn't seem negative. Right. Like forcing a family to go to a counselor because of something. No. I know like, of Texans who would never agree. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so are we as people, like we are doing a misjustice to ourselves or an injustice to ourselves because we have put this stigma around everything. And to be open and to be like, 
I wear my heart on my sleeve. I do have emotions. I, I do feel pain. I do feel depression. I do feel all these things. It's like, wow, man, that's commendable. But is that the trait that I want leading me? Is that the, like, like, for example, people talk about, like, Trump, and they're like, oh, man, he's fucking up at three in the morning tweeting. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't give a fuck if he's tweeting or whatever. As long as he's doing his job, I don't give a fuck. Basically, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's like... That's like having an NCO when we were in the military who would come up on, you know, your staff duty, and he'd be like, I don't want you watching TV on your iPad. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Get get the textbook and start reading some military literature. That's what's in the regs. Yeah, exactly. Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. And and so yeah, man, like I I just feel like again, like I think there's so many things that like we could do better as a society and especially as men, man. Like there's just so many things that like and, and I guess like it would only be justification or justified if we actually like make a little list for this of things that we can do and I would say like number one would definitely be like older men more experienced need to talk to the younger guys mm -hmm. and that's like one of the biggest reasons why I want to go talk to schools and I want to go talk to those people that are quote unquote problem child because like how many times have you seen a kid that gets suspended five times he looks like he's about to drop out at 16 or whatever how many people have ever came into his life and said like yo are you okay what's wrong right. like is everything all right at home is everything all right with this 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 and this and then fucking ask them because everybody's going through things but it's so easy to say like oh you're a fucking problem child because now that i've wiped my hands with you i don't have to deal with it I don't have to deal with you giving me a crazy answer and then I'm like, damn, now I have to help this kid. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, like. Yeah, so like, also I think just to like wrap it up, I also think that, like you said, we should have a textbook answer of how things should be done if society is going to penalize us for being a certain way, then there should be things put in order so that we don't end up like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, basically. Because I think the, the common social understanding of a man carried over from 19... I would say probably the 1920s all the way up to, like you said, the 1980s. And then it started to radically change. And I mean, you can look into it. I recommend Wikipedia third wave feminism. It started in the 1980s and basically the late 1980s. And essentially since then, our society and culture have been affected by the outlooks of it. Not saying for bad, better or worse, but ultimately when that happened, we didn't have a parallel for men to like sort of self-reflect on in our culture. And I think that's kind of what's led to this sort of bridge between the genders if you would yeah and and again like uh like you said like i don't think feminism is wrong i don't think there's like it, it, there's negatives on both sides obviously yeah like toxic masculinity when i hear that it perturbs me because i've never been told what it is yeah exactly it's just it, like, it's always like yeah like that's what that's guys not, do yeah like you know what i'm I saying i'm not gonna accidentally be toxically masculine when i go to sprouts later yeah yeah or like and that and that was the thing with the outrage of the gillette commercial yeah that it was like people were fucking upset and i didn't watch it so because I, I really don't give a fuck yeah. 
But like people were upset because they were saying like, oh, they're trying to depict it as all men. Mm -hmm. And then you do have these people from like feminist or like it, not just feminist, like hardcore feminist. I hate men. Men are wrong type people that it's like again, it's not the negative. It's the it, I, I mean, it's not the positive. It's the negative. They're always thinking about the negative. They're the extremists of the feminist community. Yeah, exactly. And if we're not all looking for the positive outcome, then you shouldn't be able to have a voice. And that's my opinion. Like, I don't think that anybody should be able to have a platform and be able to spew negativity. It's like hate speech, almost. You know what I'm saying? In, in the part where, like, if you're going to talk about my problems, also talk about a solution. Don't go to fucking, don't go to your friend's house and be like, damn, man, I heard fucking Hanato is fucking homeless. If you're not going to offer some fucking help and let me sleep on a couch. So you that, know what I'm saying? That goes into something I think we should absolutely do an episode on. So those for those of you that are listening and would be interested... I think that there's a certain degree of censorship that goes into this, too. Yeah. And that, I mean, if we start talking about, like, what's right and wrong, then at what point what's wrong, like, toxic masculinity, can it sounds like something that's negative, ultimately. So I doubt that's ever going to be put in a positive light. At what point are we going to make it so that toxic masculinity is censored when yeah. bros who have YouTube channels and all they talk about is banging bitches and lifting weights, at what point is that going to become something that's culturally inappropriate and thus censored? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a rabbit hole, man. Yeah, but that's, of, I, think, <laughs> yeah. I think that's the ramifications of this sort of conversation. The next logical step would be like, well, then how do we enforce what's right or wrong? Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, the takeaway from this, I think, is that... Uh, we as a society, we need to, again, be more open. We need to be able to talk more. We need to be able to embrace ourselves and the way that we feel about things. And then really with the whole censorship and the whole like what's right, what's wrong, positive, negative type thing is we need to be less combative. Yeah. We need to be more embracing of differences between male, female, other, whatever you identify as. And we need to be able to have those open conversations where we can sit down and say, hey, man, like this is my personality trait. Mm -hmm. Don't as much as you wouldn't want me to down you because of your choices. Don't down me because of mine. Now, if I'm doing something that's negatively affecting other people's lives, then by all means, fucking call it out. And maybe I didn't notice it, but I really think it just comes down to us being more embracive and less combative. Absolutely. Uh, I know for me in my personal life, I enjoy a lot of the liberties of freedom that our country offers, and I very off, very infrequently, I would say, sorry, feel that I'm being threatened or challenged in any way when I go outside, other than like my weird PTSD problems I might have. Yeah, yeah. But like, whenever I go out, I don't really find that the world's like a violent, threatening place, and so. If that's how I feel, I can't say that other people should feel that way. But what I can do is use my time and my resources to make sure that I can try to make other people feel that way. Because yeah. hoping other people feel that way isn't going to cut it. Exactly. Thinking that other people feel that way might even be a wrong assumption. So yep. I awesome, think, man. Good. No, I, 
I was going to say, I think that's what we should all strive to do is at least strive to want everyone else to be as comfortable as we can be. Yep. And I completely agree. Um, and I want to end it on that, man. Thank you Good. so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep.